Father, our hearts, your heart. What are we saying? Your heart. Your heart breaks over Paris. But you know what's going on in every other city on earth. That's why you can't sleep at night. What breaks your heart? Oh, that it would stir up and break our own hearts. Uh, That's what we need. So these few moments in the Word, do what you need to do. Some of us are going to be called to go over there. And if you're calling us, we need to hear that very clear. Right now, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. The daughter of Bertrand Russell. Do you know who Bertrand Russell is? Arguably the most famous atheist of the 20th century. Brilliant British mind. He wrote the magisterial um, history of Western philosophy. And I began reading it four years ago, and it'll take me another 10, I'm sure. The daughter wrote a book, Lady Catherine Tate. She wrote a book, My Father, Bertrand Russell. She describes him with these words, put it on the screen for you. His whole life was a search for God. I'm thinking the people in Paris. I'm thinking any urban center on earth. This is going to be fairly close uh, to a portrayal of of our urban dwellers. His whole life was a search for God. Somewhere at the back of my father's mind, at the bottom of his heart, in the depths of his soul, there was an empty space that had once been filled by God, and he never found anything else to put in it. How many people in our cities living with that empty space and have no idea, what do I put in this? What do I do? Bertrand Russell wrote in his book, Mysticism and Logic, just describing his heart, there is darkness without, and when I die, there will be darkness within. That is so bleak. That's what the godless live with? These are the urban dwellers of earth. How could so bright an erudite mind like Russell's not find God somehow? His daughter has suggests a reason. Her words on the screen again. I would have liked to convince my father that I had found out that I'd, I had found what he had been looking for, the ineffable something he had longed for all his life. I would have liked to persuade him that the search for God does not have to be vain, but it was hopeless. He had known too many blind Christians, bleak moralists who sucked the joy from life and persecuted their opponents. He would never have been able to see the truth they were hiding. Makes you wonder, doesn't it, the way I live my faith, the way you live your faith, could it be we hide the truth, inquiring, bright minds, looking just give me a glimpse, but they can't see through me and you. If only, if only they could see the God of this book, if they could just know the heart of this God who has such a deep passion for God. You're not sure about that? Let me run, let me run by you some exhibits, okay? I want to run these by you real quick. Grab your study guide. It's in your bulletin. They'll bring us some extras if you need one. They'll put the uh, title slide on the screen right now for those of you who are watching. But I want to cut to these uh, exhibits. By the way, if you're watching or listening on the screen right now, uh, www.pmchurch.tv. You'll go to this mini-series that ends right now. Mission Possible, title today, Urban Decay, Angels in the Inner City. 
All right, hold your hand up here, Gamar Ushers. Let's go. Some exhibits. Exhibit A, God and a pagan king named Abimelech. I want to go to this story, ancient story, Genesis chapter 20. You're finding it, please. Genesis chapter 20. Two reasons we're going to this story. I want you to catch them both. Two reasons, then we move on. But you need to see this. Genesis 20, Abraham is moving through. He's been promised uh, a son through 90-year-old wife, Sarah. This is just before Isaac is born. This is Genesis 20. And there in those opening verses, Abraham is moving from there to the region of the Negev. That would be the south region there in Palestine. And he lived between Kadesh and Shur. And while he stayed there in Gerar, Abraham said of his wife, Hey, hey guys, this is my sister. Please, don't, don't think any bad thoughts of me. Then, well, because he said that, Ab- Abim- Ab- Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent for Sarah, added her to his consorts. Yo, pretty lady. You know, she must have been a pretty lady at 90 years of age. 90 years of age. He says, I like that one in my house. <laughs> Good news, ladies. Just keep, keep living. <laughs> I don't know why I said that, but let's keep going. <laughs> Verse 3, but, okay, so he has, he has Sarah. He has Sarah in his little harem, but God came to Abimelech. Now, this is really, this is crucial. I want you to see this. He comes to this pagan, this godless, this is just lost. God came to Abimelech in a dream one night, and he said to him, I love God. He never minces words when he wants to cut to the chase. You are as good as dead, boy, now. What are you talking about? You are as good as dead because of the woman you have taken. She is a married woman. Abimelech had not gone near her, so he said, Lord. Oh, by the way, pagans that we write off, pagans apparently are very conscious of of the possibility of the divine. He recognizes, Lord. And by the way, they're not so perverse. They're not so corrupted as you and I tend to conclude. Lord, listen to this. Will you destroy an innocent nation? Did he not say, verse 5, to me, she is my sister? And didn't she also say he's my brother? I have done this with a clear conscience and clean hands. You can be a red-blooded pagan and godless and be living up to the light you have in your conscience. And God honors that. He says, you, that's right. I could have killed you, but I didn't. Because I, I, I respect you, Abimelech. I think you're all right. I'm sparing you of a sin. Next morning, you can imagine the conversation he and Abraham have. Do you understand how close we came to getting nuked? Not because you lie. Now, notice Abraham, because this introduces another point. We not only have a, 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 a pagan that's very conscious of the divine and has a, has a conscience susceptible to the Holy Spirit, but we also have, we also have verse 11, Abraham, Abraham's rejoinder now. Verse 11, Abraham replied to the king, I said to myself when, when we came into this territory, there is surely no fear of God in this place. Now, hit the pause button right there, because that's what we do with the city. We take a look at an inner city whether it's Benton Harbor or Paris or New York or L.A., we look at that inner city and we say, there is no God in this place. They're all perverts. That's what Abraham did, made the terrible mistake of concluding they're all lost. The godless are lost. And here God has been nurturing a friendship with a pagan king. I took a look at this place and I said, there's no fear of God around here. Oh, and by the way, he says in verse 12, she really is my sister, sort of, because same daddy, different mommy. 
Yeah. That's an old story, but it makes two critical points. Pagans have consciences and integrity, and we can mistake them for godless, and they are not godless. God is wooing their hearts. God has a deep passion for pagans, and not only for pagan, pagan people, for pagan cities. Exhibit number two, Nineveh. <clears throat> number two, and of course, everybody knows this story, Jonah, who runs away because, God, I know you're going to have mercy on these people, and I'm out of here. I'm not going to make a fool out of myself. Most, by the way, the most, the most successful evangelistic campaign in the history of the earth, the entire city from the king on his high throne to the stable servant behind the house, everybody gets saved. Unbelievable. And Jonah is ticked off. You can't believe it. You could have been in the review with that story. You missed it. I want you to go to Jonah 4, verse 11, the very last line. I want you to see this because this tells you a lot about God. The last line is verse 11. Jonah's a series of 13 questions. You already knew this. The last question is framed by God. Why are you so ticked off? This is verse 11. You're not going to be able to find it because it'll take you forever. Are you finding it? Okay, I'll wait. Jonah 4.11. Put the words on the screen as well. God speaking to Jonah. And final line. And hey, hey, Joe, should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left hand and also many animals? What's your problem? I got 120,000 people here who can't tell which one, which hand is which. And for a long time, scholars and us believe, well, the city had about 120,000 people in it. But you, know, you may know this. Scholars have done some second thinking on this and saying, wait a minute. No, no, no. Who are the people in the city that can't tell the right hand from the left? I'll tell you who they are. They're two and under. Whoever invented Skype, I'd like to publicly thank them right now. Because last night at Skype, we Skyped with our precious little granddaughter, who's just two, little Ella, on the other side of the United States. Wow. We had a wonderful time with her. But if I were to ask Ella, she was standing right here beside Papa, I would say, Ella, show us your right hand. Left. She didn't know. Scholars now believe that 120,000 are the two and under. Now we got the two and up. We got the kids. So you add that, however many that would be. Well, now we have teenagers. We got to add them. By the way, just... Masterfully done. And let me just repeat again about the uh, teenagers up here from Anna's Academy. Thank you, Byron Graves. You got, you got all of them. You got the young adults now, 20-somethings, 30-somethings. Now you got just plain adults, 40-somethings, 50. Now you, got, now you got older adults. Then you have senior citizens. Scholars now believe that the population of Nineveh was between 600,000 and 2 million people. God saved them all. He's looking for an excuse to save the human race. And just like that, he saves them. He has compassion. Exhibit B, oh, this God who has compassion for Nineveh. By the way, Exhibit C, he has compassion for a city called Babylon. God's big on cities, 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 cities. Why? Because that's where people live. He's after the inhabitants. He's not big on the walls. He's not big on the skyscrapers. He's big on the occupants. Babylon's the same. Go back to Jeremiah. We're right here in Jonah so you can find Jeremiah, a piece of cake. uh, Jeremiah chapter 51. Jeremiah 51. Exhibits of God. Here's Exhibit C, verse 44, Jeremiah 51, God speaking, I will punish Bel. It's the God of Babylon. By the way, any God, any God you run into on this earth that has a name that's not the name of the Almighty, you can, you, the, the, the God is simply a front for the dark and fallen rebel Lucifer, the angel. That's all. All gods are fronts for him. 
So Baal is Lucifer. You can call him whatever you want, God says. I will punish Baal in Babylon, and I will make him spew out what he swallowed. The nations will no longer stream to him. The wall of Babylon will fall. And now notice God in verse 15. Yo, come out of her, my people. Hey, we're talking about a pagan bastion, a citadel, pagan to the core and godless. God says, I got people all over that city. Come on out, come out, come out, come out. You'll eventually hear these words because John the Revelator borrowed it right, at, right from that line. There'll be a final a religio-geopolitical confederacy on earth. Confusion. It will be called Babylon because confusion is the name of the game. And I'm just going to insert this right here. What's going on is a master plan of a dark, dark mark. Dark, dark, dark mind. That's all Paris is about. It's just this mind that says, I'm going to confuse the human race. I'm going to have them so scared. They're going out. They're scared. They're coming in. They're scared. They're flying. They're scared. They're walking. They're scared. I'm going to just throttle this, this, this planet, this civilization, with confusion and fear. Jesus said, Luke 21, men's hearts, women's hearts will be failing them for fear. A knotted stomach 24-7. That's what life will be like. I'm telling you. It only gets worse. You think we got a little heyday coming? You think there's a little break now? It's too late. You got born way too late. The story is clear. Any city on earth. So, oh, exhibit D. Here we go. Exhibit D. God in a lost city named Jerusalem. This is one of the most touching, touching portrayals of Jesus in the Gospels. Only two places in the Gospels Jesus cries. This is one of them. The other one's at outside of Lazarus' tomb. So this is Luke 19. You know the story, don't you? This is Palm Sunday. Luke 19, 35, and they brought this little coat. They brought this little coat. Let's put it on the screen. There we go. They brought this little coat to Jesus. They threw their cloaks on the coat. Never been ridden by a human before. They put Jesus on top of it. Verse 36, and as he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. They're they're welcoming the new king. They're sure this is the king. Verse 37, and when Jesus came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, I've stood at that very spot and gazed past the notch called the Kidron, and there is the glory of Temple Mount. As the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd began to joyfully praise God. Loud voices. This this is a celebration. Verse 38, what are they saying? Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Now verse 41, and as Jesus approached Jerusalem and he saw the city, he burst into tears. He burst into tears. Don't you tell me the heart of God could give a rip about the urban centers of earth. Let him go. I'll take the rural. I'll take the rural inhabitants. He burst into tears. Why is he crying? He wept over it, and he said, verse 42, Oh, if you, if you, if you, even you had only known on this day what would bring you peace. Oh, my. If you only knew. By the way, the depth of the pathos is captured by Desire of Ages. It's in your study guide, but I put it on the screen here for you. Desire of Ages. Look, listen to this. While the westering sun, so, so it's moving towards sunset. While the westering sun was tinting and gilding the heavens, its resplendent glory lighted up the pure white marble of the temple walls, sparkled on its gold-capped pillars, which caught the splendor of the setting sun shining as if the glory borrowed from heaven. Jesus gazes upon the scene and then drawing the veil aside to show how deep the emotion of this only other reference to tears besides Lazarus. 
His eyes fill with tears and his body rocks to and fro like a tree before the tempest while a wail of anguish bursts from his quivering lips as if from the depths of a broken heart. When he sees the city, he weeps over it. Don't you suppose the God of heaven is weeping this morning over last night in Paris? That wasn't his strategy. That wasn't some little divine strategic move. Are you crazy? He weeps. Oh, Jerusalem, as the other gospels recorded, oh, Jerusalem, how I long to gather you as a mother hen gathers her chicks, but you would not come. Oh, Beijing. Beijing. Oh, Moscow. Moscow. How I long. New York. New York. Oh, Benton Arbor. Benton Harbor. Bertrand, Bertrand, how I longed all through your bright life to draw you to me, but you wouldn't let me. A God who has a heart for pagans, and not only a heart for pagans, it's a, it's a heart for the cities of the pagans, not the walls and the streets and the infrastructure. It's the inhabitants that he's longing for. Oh, how I longed to have somehow reached you while there had been time. So I suppose it's some, it, it somehow goes without saying that something of Christ's deep passion for cities gets communicated to those of us who say he's our Lord and we follow him. Something gets put in our hearts for cities, don't you think? Don't you think there's something that comes to us too? Exhibit E, I want to share a story with you. Oh, this is a story. Our staff has been reading uh, for, the, for our fall worships this little book, It's Time, Voices from the Front Lines of Urban Mission. If you ever get a hold of this book, just get a hold of it. It's a great book. And so we're reading through every week and just getting inspired and getting, seeing some uh, other ways to, to reach a city. There's a story here about a city in Italy. Italy is ranked next to uh, the Czech Republic as the most godless nation in Europe. So this is a little city called Bergamo. It's north of Milan. Karen and I have driven through this city. It's very high-tech. I mean, it's just, wow. 2006, so I'm going to read you a story now. 2006, a church member, a little Italian named Giuseppe, moved from Sicily in the south of Italy to Bergamo. What he found in the, in the spiritual and mission condition of the church concerned him. He started to pray that God would help him find fellow church members who would join him in a process of spiritual revival and rededication to God. After six months of intercessory prayer, Giuseppe started visiting some of the people on his prayer list. By the end of 2006, so that's six months later, a small group of five are now holding regular prayer meetings as they seek God's guidance for what they should do for his kingdom. What should we do in Bergamo? We're in this city. We're just a little band. What can you do here, God? And so they're praying. At the same time, now you need to hear this, the Bergamo church, so there's this, there's this little church in the city, began developing a leadership process with a new team of elders. They organized the church into small groups, and these Sabbath school action units became the supporting framework for church, pastoral, spiritual, and missionary activities. Hey, listen, around here we call them grow groups. The very same strategy. Ministry is delivered through these little groups. We got what? We got uh, 600 some people in them now. This semester. So they're, they're saying, we got to do something like this. 
Soon each Sabbath school action unit appointed a leader, and they were now meeting not only on Sabbath, not on Sabbath at Sabbath school, but they're also going home during the week and meeting in their homes. I think that's a great idea for us to adopt, by the way. Get the groups also happening on Sabbath morning and then during the week. Yeah. Anyway, the following year, listen to this. This is, and then the story. The church set a specific goal. Each family group supported by the Sabbath school units would become a church plant, a new community of believers. Three elders with their spouses became the first to put this vision into action. So they start sending these little clusters out. You're going to become a church plant? Just start praying for the people. Wherever God puts you, you just start praying, praying, praying. God will find a way. And he started find, finding a way. And in the three years from 2006 to 2009, they got three churches popping up around Bergamo. Amazing story. Now, I don't want you to miss the point. Each one of these who are now meeting in those churches represents men and women who have found new life in Christ and a place within his body of believers. Their stories, and here's the punchline before the big story I'm getting to. Their stories give a glimpse into the different ways the Holy Spirit is using praying members of Bergamo Church to witness to this most difficult urban mission territory. You can't go into a city. You can't go into Benton Harbor. You can't even go into Andrews University's campus if you're not somehow rooted and anchored in prayer. That's the point. God says, this is my deal. I love the cities. I love, I love secular minds. You need me. Just pray to me for a while about it. I'll show you. And let me show you what God can do. This will amaze you. On a Sabbath morning in the autumn of 2007, after the worship service in Bergamo Church, a young woman from Bolivia, any students here from Bolivia? Asked to meet with the pastor. Sonia, that's her name, introduced herself and told the pastor the reason why she was attending church for the first time that day. The previous Wednesday, she was traveling on a bus. Okay, so she's on on the city bus. She's just riding a bus. So this is Sabbath. The previous Wednesday, she's on the bus praying to God. Now, when you're on a bus, how do you pray? You pray in your heart, right? Of course, you're not going to blah, 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 blah. She's praying to God, asking him what church, this is amazing, what church he would like her to attend. During her prayer, a tall man approached and gently touched her on the shoulder. You are praying, he said. Well, how would he know? Well, maybe her eyes were closed and she... It's possible, it's possible. Hey, you are praying, He said, yes, she replied, if you want to go to a church. Now, wait a minute. Come on. I mean, you might guess I'm praying, but you can't guess what I'm praying about. But he said, I know what you're praying about. You want to go to a church, don't you? If you want to go to a church, look for the Seventh-day Adventist church. She continued to pray, but then realized her prayer had just been answered. I was asking. I got the answer. Today, pastor, I'm here because of that, she told him. After Bible studies, Sonia was baptized. Now, keep listening. She was baptized. However, a few months later, she stood at the front of that little church and said goodbye to the church. I'm going back to my home village, Bolivia, because there there is no Adventist church there. Sometime later, the church heard from Sonia that her mother, her brother who had been in prison, and other relatives and neighbors had accepted Jesus Christ and now belonged to the Adventist family. A Sabbath... Now, here, here it comes. A Sabbath school action unit of the Bergamo church had placed Sonia on a prayer list long before she attended for the first time that autumn Sabbath morning. In fact, 
She lived in the same building as one of the Bergamo's church elders who was engaged in prayer ministry, and he had been specifically praying for her as his neighbor, praying for her by name. He did not know her. She did not know him. And one day, she's riding a bus, and his prayer got answered. Isn't that something? There must be a God in this universe who has a heart and a passion for urban dwellers. Wow. In Italy? In Italy. That's the God of this book. You say, oh, Dwight, I'm not, I'm not I, I, you know, you're probably going to get ready to ask me to go to a city. And I tell you what, after what happened last night in Paris, forget it. I'm not going to a city. Send me to country living. The last exhibit is a verse specifically for you. One last line. This is, I hope you'll take this verse home. Forget all the rest. That's fine. Just remember this one. Acts, uh, yeah, Acts chapter 18. Acts chapter 18. Paul is in Corinth. Corinth, the Las Vegas of the ancient world. Yep, Corinth. Oh, they have more brothels per square inch than any other city in the Mediterranean. Prostitution, casinos, pimps, druggies. Paul said, I got to reach this city because I know God's heart. I know he loves cities. But he's having second thoughts about going to Corinth. And I want you to catch this. This is good. This is verse 9. This is uh, Acts 18, verse 9. Then Paul, no, the, uh, sorry, verse 9. One night. Okay, so we open with a dream and we now close with a dream. One night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid, Paul. Keep on speaking. Do not keep silent. Hit the pause button right there. The New American Standard Bible actually renders it this way. Do not be afraid any longer. They add two words because it's clear Paul is intimidated by a city. Hey, come on. Let's be honest. Cities are intimidating. Did you think a city is a piece of cake? Like you just go waltzing into it and you crazy? Do you know who invented cities? Come on. Outside of God's city first, Lucifer always comes up with a counterfeit. He invented cities through his, through his buddy Cain in the beginning. Cain built the cities. Lucifer considers himself, I am the prince of cities. You come to a city, you're coming to my place. Nobody enters this city. A young missionary under the bloodstained banner of Emmanuel entering a city? Yeah, you better, you better believe that the opposition will take note. We're not talking about a little party and a picnic here. We're talking about a world that is running out of time and the God of the universe who has a passion for cities is saying, somebody go to these cities for me. Of course I could do it. But you're the one that needs healing, not me. It's your heart that needs therapy, not mine. You go for me. Don't be afraid any longer. You just go. You may be fear for, fear for your life. Don't worry. You go for me. Even if I have to dispatch an angel to a city bus to start raising up my people, I'll do what I've got to do. You just be there and you pray. I'll find, I'll find them. I'll find them. I have, I know my people. Babylon, Nineveh, I know my people in the city. Come on out. All right, now, now verse 10. Now I want you to get to verse 10. So he's, he's just told Paul, don't be afraid. Keep speaking. Don't be silent. Now here comes verse 10. I love this. For I am with you, Paul. Nobody goes into a city but that I am with you. I'll be with you always to the end of the age. I will always be with you. I am with you and no one is going to attack and harm you because I have many people in this city. 
have many people in the city. That's why I sent you. Don't be afraid. I'm with you. Don't, don't defer to our mutual enemy and allow him to scare you, intimidate you, discourage you. You stay in that city for me. I'll be with you and they will not harm you. I have many people here. These are my children. I have many people. uh, Prophets and kings, put it on the screen for you. In every city, filled though it may be with violence and crime, there are many who with proper teaching may learn to become followers of Jesus. Thousands may be thus reached with saving truth and be led to receive Christ as a personal Savior. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Go into that city. These children, those urban dwellers, they're mine. They are my people. Find them for me while there's time. So the question is, the question is, are you willing to go? Would you be willing to go to a city? Right now, while you're in school, take a year off. Pick a city on earth and go to that city on behalf of the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you be willing to go for Christ? What cities, Dwight? Well, it's very interesting. Uh, God bless her. Kathleen Campbell over in uh, Campus Ministry. She's working on the mission end of things. So she put a, a, a list together for me of a million or more population cities on earth that right now, Adventist Volunteer Services, right now they are appealing. Somebody come over to Macedonia and help us. So here's a list. I'm not going to read the whole list. You can go online. In fact, in a moment we'll give you a, a, a website you can go to. But anybody want to go to Lome, Togo? Kindergarten teacher needed. Pastor needed. Dentist needed. Engineer needed. How about Egypt? Cairo. Nutritionist. Hey, math, science teacher needed in Cairo, Egypt. Anybody want to go to Nairobi, Kenya? This is an equal opportunity all over the earth list. Nairobi, Kenya? Come on. Anybody here can do maintenance? How about assistant boys dean, assistant girls dean, assistant kindergarten teacher? Anybody want to go to Honduras? English teachers. San Pedro Sula. How about Malawi? The long way. English teachers. English teachers. Beijing, China. English teachers. Sao Paulo, Brazil. English teachers. Jakarta, Indonesia. English teachers. Moscow, Russia. English teachers. Ukraine, Kiev. Here's another one. Boy, there's a lot for, for Dhaka, Bangladesh. Now, this is a Muslim country. Elementary teacher, technical consultant, marketing missionary, elementary teacher, project manager, nursing college professor, accounting English music professor, Dhaka, Dhaka, Bangladesh. English teacher, Ecuador, English English teacher, Bulgaria, Guatemala, Seoul, South Korea. These are all English teachers. Lima, Peru, English teacher, elementary teacher, Honolulu, Hawaii. Hey, wait a minute. That that is not, this is not, who put this on this list? This, This is not missionary. We're talking being a missionary. Honolulu? You... That's called vacationary, not missionary. Actually, my cousin is a conference president in Honolulu, and trust me, they got the Orient. They have the whole Orient, and there are many pagan godless on the island of, uh, islands of Hawaii. So you can go there if you want to sign up. San Juan, Puerto Rico, Hong Kong, Poland, English teachers, Germany, Kazakhstan. Come on. There's a city for you somewhere if you're willing to go. Oh, but Dwight, I'm just really too old. Because some of you are overhearing this appeal to uh, student missionaries. I'm just really too old. I can't go to a city. Don't ask me to disrupt my life. Don't laugh. Don't laugh. 
But they, you know, they, this is the Pioneer Memorial Church. S.N. Haskell, maybe one of these windows is to S.N. Haskell. They're all memorialized to somebody. S.N. Haskell, one of the great pioneers. At the age of 68, S.N. Haskell and his wife moved from the country to New York City to become missionaries to New York. 68 years of age. You're not too old. You're not too old. Take out your Connect card, would you please? Just pull your Connect card out. It's, it's, it's tucked away in your worship bulletin. Guests who are with us, we're glad to have you. You can take the same Connect card. Just fill out on the front of the card what you're comfortable filling out. Those of you watching online, by the way, the Connect card is online for you right now. You may respond as well. Uh, take out the Connect card. Fill it out. We'll need an email address on the front if you're going to check one of the boxes on the back. Turn the card around. My next step today, I would, I would like to live out God's love for this pagan world. Come on. I want to just live out God's love for the godless, please. Box number two, I'm interested in serving in a city as a student missionary. So that's the appeal now. I'm talking to students. Would you be willing to give a year of your life next year? You're not going anywhere now. You finished this school year, but would you be willing to give a year of your life next year? Pick a city on earth. You choose if you would be willing to at least consider the idea. You're not signing up. You're not, it's not like getting, uh, joining the army here, but if you put a check mark there, we will be in touch with you. Either Adventist Frontier Missions or Campus Ministries. Chaplain June Price and I have talked about this. She's ready. Her team is ready. If you put a check mark there and you're a student, they'll be in touch. You can check it out. Make a decision. Students, Put a check mark there if your heart is somehow strangely being moved with this notion of taking a year out of your studies. You never regret it. Every student missionary I know has come back and said, man, I didn't lose a thing by being that year away. You won't regret it. You say, I don't have the money. Don't worry about the money. We'll get the money. That's the least of your concerns right now. Money's available. Don't let the devil intimidate you. He doesn't want anybody in the city. Just stay away. Hey, yeah. hey kids, stay in the country, will you? I love you there. <clears throat> I love you in the country because you don't touch anybody. That's his deal. Oh, you don't want to come. Look what happened to Paris. Forget it. Here's box number three. I'm interested in serving in a city as a non-student missionary. You're not a student. You can't qualify to be a student missionary. We'll still connect you. Adventist Frontier Missions, which takes adults... General Conference, Adventist Volunteer Services, takes adults. We will connect you. If you're willing to go, we will connect you. That's all we need to know is, are you interested? Just, uh, yeah, I want to inquire. Put a check mark there. Listen, you don't even have to cross. You don't even have to cross the water. You want to go 12 miles up the road? We have an inner city called Benton Harbor. Second most depressed inner city in the United States. But according to the Wall Street Journal one time. Per capita. I want to put a picture on the screen. My friend, Pastor Torres, you see him on the screen there? There he is preaching his heart out. This is like four weeks ago. He just ended a series of meetings last weekend. Fifteen people in that inner city decided to be baptized and follow Christ. Fifteen. He needs help up there. I'd love to see you off of your comfortable pew here where all you're doing is getting some great music and studying the Bible and get up there and do some work at a church where you can make a difference. They'd love to have you. We'll miss you here, but you leave... Somebody's be right there, so don't worry about us. That inner city needs help. If you're open, here's what I want you to do. And you check box number three. Then under the, the blank line below, write the two words, Benton Harbor. That's all you have to do. Write Benton Harbor. We'll be in touch. We'll, we'll, we'll have Pastor Torres somehow get in touch with you. Don't worry about it. Just write Benton Harbor 
and we'll take care of the rest. Where is God sending you? I have no idea, but we must go for him. Let's pray. Dear God, the voices of a world in anguish, the sobs last night and today, in every city on earth, not just Paris, every city is suffering, and it's only going to get worse. How grateful we are for that last line. That really bucks us up with courage because don't be afraid. You just open your mouth. You go for me. I'll protect you. I have many people in that city. Oh, God, if you're laying the burden on many hearts today, just keep that burden pressing hard. Don't back off. If you have somebody who can give up a year, let him know. Let her know. You got somebody who could actually change an address for you here, not a student? Let him know. Let her know. Dear Father, the greatest missionary in the history of the universe left his comfort and came to this dark mission field to die for us. We want his heart. Let what breaks Jesus' heart break our hearts too. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.